Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Thursday, January 6th, and I am joined, as I always am, by my neighbor, Max. How's it going, my friend? Doing well. Getting back into the swing of things at my own place. Couple days of work. Um, The new thing is going to be, or constant theme is going to be like skimping and uh, penny counting to save up for a trip. So the way that's manifesting right now is groceries. My goal is to make it through the month spending just 200 on food, which I can only like even aim at because I had like a bunch of rice and other types of stuff like that already in the apartment but uh had like today and a good chunk of yesterday off so could get a little more creative with my meals than just like rice and eggs so that's been nice to kind of relax and after working a bit sink back into the flow Uh, a lot of time to figure out some things with (laughs) everything locked down and curfewed cooking and sieve have kind of been that for me so far how about you oh diving back into sieve are we um always yeah doing all right busy busy week at work but um always a nice half hour to an hour to escape and and chat sports with you my friend so feeling better now i'm glad to hear it on um, the look on O's face said he really needed a sports and nothing but sports talk so that's what we're here to accomplish oh <laughs> it's really been that kind of night but he's sipping alcohol i think for the first time on this podcast yeah i don't we'll have a plausible deniability about what that beverage was on the okay. screen sipping fruit juice <laughs> all right uh on that wonderful note let's dive right into the agenda for the day uh we've got football fan cave just preview of the last week of the NFL season before playoffs. Super excited uh, for that. And then we've got a crazy night of basketball last night. Lots to talk about. And uh, that, yeah, that's probably going to take up the largest chunk of this pod and then uh, finish up with some talking hockey. So short and sweet, we'll cover uh, some of the stuff that's in our wheelhouse. Uh, So without further ado, let's get right at her. NFL Week 18, the first ever Week 18 on the NFL uh, season. First time we'll have this. I expect a couple injuries. I expect uh, some wackiness, and I expect a little bit of fan fatigue. I know I'm feeling the the burn quite a bit, and I'm not sure if that's football or just general life, uh, but it's felt like a long season for sure. In any event, we have some exciting games on the docket. Uh, Some with playoff implications. We know that the Green Bay Packers have clinched the number one seed in the NFC. But my first game to circle coming up this weekend is the game that will possibly decide the number one seed in the AFC. We have the Tennessee Titans and the Houston Texans, a divisional matchup. Now, on paper, this is a walkover for Tennessee and easy win and clinch the number one seed. But the last time these two teams played, given Titans suffering some injuries, The Texans shocked them and won in Nashville. So uh, Tennessee definitely hoping to take revenge in this one. And we'll see if if they'll manage to do that. Mike Vrabel, of course, I mentioned in the last pod, definitely top 
uh, the favorite for coach of the year with what he's done with all the injuries, but this would be a big buy for Tennessee to earn uh, as it just makes means one more week for them to get healthier and one more week closer to possibly bringing Derrick Henry back. Next game here, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Denver Broncos. This game actually happening on Saturday. As a Broncos fan, can't wait for the season to be done with at this point. Uh, and I think it's going to be a bit of a one-sided contest as the Chiefs still have the possibility of getting the one seed if they win. And because they're playing on the Saturday, Saturday they don't have the luxury of scoreboard watching and waiting to see results and possibly pulling guys out in a third, fourth quarter. So they will have to play with the intent to win, and I believe they're just going to do that. Next one, another divisional matchup between the Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles, both teams playing for seeding. The Cowboys have clinched the NFC East, trying to raise their seeding uh, in the wildcard round and, and maybe get a more favorable matchup. And on the other side, the Eagles need to win to officially clinch their wildcard spot. Uh, so going to be an interesting matchup between those two. And then last one here, another divisional matchup, the 49ers and the Rams. This one's always great when Kyle Shanahan meets Sean McVay in a battle of the minds. And the Rams are looking to, of course, improve their playoff seating for the wildcard game. And the 49ers, just like Philly, similar to the Dallas-Philly matchup, looking to clinch their wildcard berth. Last game here, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers and the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, I mentioned this one on the previous pod, but this is a win-in-your-in type situation. If either of these teams beats the other, they clinch a playoff spot. If you lose, you're most likely out. So a, a really important one uh, for, for both these teams, of course, quite obviously. But a funny little scenario here uh, that's been making its way around the internet. Max, if, if the Indianapolis Colts lose then the Chargers and the Raiders could uh, subsequently both agree to knee out the game, end in a tie, and they would both get in to the playoffs. Will they have the chance to scoreboard watch? Like, is the Colts game going to yes. be? Okay. Yeah. So we could be in for some really bizarre scenario. Obviously, it won't happen. Uh, two rival teams uh, as well. No one really ever wants to play for a tie like that, but could be a really, really funny uh, outcome. I think the Colts are playing the Jacksonville Jaguars, so we probably won't get to that scenario, but but could be a fun one for sure. Yeah, I, I think one day we'll probably get there with sports. Like injuries will just be such a, like we'll have 50 years of stats in the modern era of stat tracking of like, when a star player gets injured, your chances to win a playoff go down by like X significant percent. And like, we're just at such a nihilistic maybe part or just past that, like just play era where that will be a decision made. But uh, I also assume there's some seeding advantage to yeah. be gained by winning. Yeah, definitely just want to try and get a more favorable matchup in that first week of the playoffs. 20 years in from now though I can see that totally happening oh 100 percent. and and I think we're really close to getting um a week 19 and having two bye weeks for the the mm. 17 game season or even two bye weeks with 18 games um those yeah. bye weeks are super valuable and NFL is so physically uh 
impactful on the body that that's one that they're definitely going to push for the revenue from another two weeks then (laughs) yes which in the nfl is so much more exponentially than any other sports league i mean that is like five percent of the season revenue by adding game 19 to 20 right yeah yeah something like that it's massive it's got massive implications in any event looking forward to this week 18 and some of the matchups we got going on i already foresee myself sitting on the couch for the majority of this weekend and uh of course a football will be a part of that but let's move along to basketball storylines here um kick off the show just with a quick tuesday night update and then we'll talk about last night's games uh, as there was plenty to talk about the toronto raptors now on a four game winning streak they get their third win uh, in a row against the San Antonio Spurs on Tuesday night. Um, the first half, Jakob Pertl, of course, returning to Toronto, um, was involved in that famous Kawhi Leonard trade along with DeMar DeRozan. He looked like Nikola Jokic in the first half, just bullying the Raptors, really making their lack of size known. Uh, but even despite his best efforts, the Raptors taking advantage of a slightly depleted Spurs roster, they get a wire-to-wire win uh, where the defense was was largely an impact on that game and uh, nothing too spectacular standing out from that one. But then last night on a back-to-back, their first road game since being annihilated by the Cavaliers uh, over the Christmas break, They go to Milwaukee, and uh, Giannis, so scared of us, makes up an illness to miss the game. Uh, Second time this season that the Bucs have been without Giannis against the Raptors, and both of those times, the Raptors come out with a win. Didn't look that way in the first half. Uh, Gave up 11 on 17 shooting from three at at one point, and Jordan and Wara looked like kind of a second coming of Clay Thompson. He was splashing left and right. Um, the Bucks go on a 15 to nothing run near the end of the uh, first quarter and their zone really gave the Raptors fits, but there's only so much you can do to stay in that game. If, if you're giving up the three point percentage that they were, I think the Bucks had 77 points in the first half. Wow. But third quarter, they score a seventh of that only allow raps only allow 11 points in the fir- third quarter keep milwaukee to three of 21 shooting they were everywhere fred van vliet with a center like block on uh mamu uh i might have butchered that a little bit but i thought it was okay um blocking him from behind he didn't have his best offensive performance but still does a lot of the little things that make him an all-star uh in my books and the, on the back of that defense, some some great shot making from Gary Trent Jr. And then, of course, a fantastic game from Pascal. I think he had 33, 6, and 5 in the game last night. Little, little sketchy closing it out, but luckily had a OG there to make a couple free throws at the end. Him and Bobby Portis exchanging some words. And despite some questionable officiating both ways, the Raptors sneak out of Milwaukee with another win. And you can see the foundation starting to be put together. And obviously they, they still haven't reached that test yet where they've played a top, top tier team with their fully fledged roster. Um, their last four wins all come against teams depleted by COVID, but, but 
the pieces are there and the chemistry is starting to build. I think this was only the fifth game of the season where OG Pascal and Fred had all played together. Uh, add on top of that, Gary Trent Jr. Um, as, as a solid player for them. And of course, Scotty Barnes in there. That's really been they're the solid five that we want to see more of, and they haven't played a ton yet. And uh, I'm looking forward to keeping track of their progress as we move throughout the season. They are currently in the nine seed uh, and, and chasing down Charlotte for the eighth seed. Boston in their rearview mirror, who, who lost last night to the Spurs, uh, which is a tough one because Spurs coming off of the back-to-back. The Spurs with just a brutal inbounds play, Max. I don't know if you saw this, but they – basically right on the cusp of a five second violation uh landale i believe his name is throws it directly to jalen brown uh who picks it off goes down the court but great contest at the rim um, maybe some defensive interference uh goaltending but brown misses the layup to tie the game and and it ends and and the celtics with a tough loss now they are on the verge of maybe falling out of that play-in game let alone even trying to be in the playoff mix. All these teams, eight through 12, kind of seem to be playing a bit of backwards leapfrog. Like it seems like the Hawks had picked up their feet for a minute there. Then after it was the Celtics, right now it's the Raptors. So it's great to have this momentum. And I love, as you said, that for the Raptors, that timing is coming with having what seems like a undersized, but the best starting five we can put together, which it's exactly what we thought at the start of the season when we saw Scotty was maybe a bit ahead of what we hoped for the renewed effort of Gary Trent Jr. OG's strides, uh, Fred Van Fleet. It was like when Siakam comes, this could be really interesting. But then like the COVID, the injuries that kind of slipped out of the mind as um, the season dragged on. All this to say, I hope this isn't just an instance of what we saw with the Hawks and the Celtics, and this is some real continued momentum, because the way it's going right now, it feels like whoever can pick up that momentum 10 games out of the season is the one who's going to make the play-in games. Yeah, it's it's a great point. And if you look at Pascal Siakam's last five games here, his stats really have been off the charts. Um He's really starting to get back towards the the all-star version of himself. Um, I believe he's averaging upwards of 30 points, around eight rebounds and, and four assists on great efficiency too, which is a key for him because he does put up a lot of shots on certain nights. So Pascal really gearing it up close to the all-star game. I don't think he's going to get in, but it's great to have him in that mode uh, when really for most of the season, they've been relying on Fred Van Bleet. So looking forward to seeing what this team can continue to do moving forward. Mm-hmm. All right. We've got a couple other notes here. You did mention the Hawks. I need to find the video of Trey Young's best defensive moments this season. Uh, there's a great compilation circling out there on Twitter of him basically just like backing away from people driving towards the basket and losing track of guys relocating for threes. It's it's pretty bad. And and you saw last night they didn't have him um, and Kevin Herter stepped up offensively and they got a win against the Kings. So obviously Trey Young is an all star. He's going to be there. He's fantastic offensively, but this team really has to figure out that defensive side of the ball and and. We've said that many, many, many times, and we'll say it many more. 
A couple more notes before we get to the last key game. Um, Danny Green with the 12th Snell in NBA history, named after Tony Snell. Uh, He played 24 minutes and straight zeros across the board in points, assists, rebounds, blocks, steals, um, turnovers, I believe as well. It, It... just one of those nights for Danny Green where he's straight up doing cardio uh, up and down the floor, not touching the ball, uh, bricking the few shots he did get. But pretty rare when we see one of those. And, and he was number one trending in the NBA at a certain point there on Twitter. So always fun to see one of those moments. Another bit of a meme moment from last night, Kevin Porter Jr. Didn't really dive too deep into his conflict over the weekend, but he is back and hits a game-winning three against the Washington Wizards to to get a Houston Rockets W. Again, just showcasing he does have his issues, but when he's on the court, the man can can put it in the hoop. Uh, Last thing here, Yusuf Nurkic, Tyler Hero getting involved in a bit of a scuffle. They both get ejected, and then the Kyle Lowry ejection on his second technical where he tossed the ball to the ref, got teed up. I love how the refs do the big arm swing and then the soft T it's just so perfect. And you'd have to, you'll have to uh, maybe check out the video here to see that little soft T it's like they're playing triangle. If, if, if you're an NBA fan, you know what we're talking about. Um, But that was just a funny moment from that game. The video I saw actually the brought was so funny because the broadcast didn't realize what had happened at first. It was so in the periphery that even when they were playing it back after they saw the ref signal the technical, the crew had no idea where the technical occurred. So they just had like a really broad central view of the camera and like Kyle tossing the ball was like very, very softly in the corner. And then as the play went on live and they realized it was Lowry the camera like centers more on Lowry and like in real time the broadcasters realized oh my god he just got a technical for passing the ball to the ref a bit like cat too casual and just chuckling to themselves not the first time we've seen that (laughs) and and probably not the last unfortunately (sighs) yeah uh we watch the game for the players not for the refs and that is all I will say on that. Yeah, Tyler Hero's uh, character arc leaning heavily into like setting a record for most technicals in the NBA, just with like the attitude he's developing towards the ref and the things he's seen early in his career. I would I would change that because there are plenty of guys who have gotten a million technicals. Tyler Hero making a name for himself as maybe the the finesse the a finesse guy who has the most technicals um right like for his like, style because of play. he's so young and he's already racking them up and the refs are just pissing him off more like it's gonna get exponential yeah i think there were a lot more technicals in the in the 2000s and okay. i'm sure draymond green has something to say on that <laughs> as well it's there is some tough competition out there yeah, yeah all right uh last game here a signature game Indian Indiana Pacers, Brooklyn Nets, uh, of course, looking forward to the return of a great player. And of course, y'all know who I'm talking about, Lance Stevenson. In 20 minutes, or sorry, drops 28 points in his return to Indiana. 
20 of those points come in six minutes off the bench in the first quarter and hit a buzzer beating uh, shot there to end it pretty much shocking Brooklyn for that first quarter. Um, Great bit of energy from him and a cool moment where he has been working hard to get his opportunity back in the league and, and cool to see he ends up where probably his most famous moment as a player was him blowing in LeBron's ear as an Indiana Pacer in, in the 2013 playoffs, I, I would have to say. So cool to see him do that. But of course, taking slightly away from the other player returning Kyrie Irving, uh, who showed off all the tools that makes him a great basketball player and he'll only get better, but some tough finishes for him. I believe he dropped 22 in the game on uh, nine of 17 shooting. So not too bad, but really this one, the Brooklyn Nets having to claw back against the Pacers on the back of Kevin Durant and, and a bit on James Harden, but that big three is back. And if they start playing a couple more games and developing that chemistry, they're going to rocket back up the, uh, the list of contenders here because when those three are all going, they're impossible to stop. It does come at a time where they could use a bit of momentum back to that number one seed in the East position. But last season, I, there wasn't a ton of data on this. And obviously, we haven't gotten any this season yet. But they actually played better as a team when it was just two of the big three than all three. Like at an overall record, just no particular pairing but they were all kind of injured at some point or another sitting so they got a bunch of different looks of Kyrie KD Kyrie James James KD and that winning percentage was higher than the games they played the three of them I think the fundamental issue that got Kyrie put off the team hasn't changed he's still not going to be able to play home games unless there's some exemption they get where like within 90 days of having contracted COVID, you're exempt from vaccine requirements. But uh, that's going to be an issue for the rest of the season. That's going to be an issue for playoff time. And I think that's going to be an issue for chemistry. So I think Brooklyn's just in a bit of an awkward position here. I don't know if they've fully committed to playing Kyrie as much as they can, or they just had to see this shot through since they started the proceedings. Yeah, I I don't have much more to add on that, but I just I'm happy to to see at least Kyrie as a player back because he's mm-hmm. just so fun to watch and the fans agree because as we have here say. on our on our last note here the first round of all-star voting out. I didn't get a chance to look at the full list, but you have a couple notes here. Uh, I yeah. did see that Fred Van Vliet number 10 disappointing. Damar, number one, definitely have contributed to that myself. So happy to see him up there. And then, of course, Clay Thompson and Kyrie Irving uh, in each in the top 10 for all-star voting. And between them, they have played one game. But Clay Thompson supposedly coming back on Sunday. Yeah, it mostly just goes to show that this all-star status is a bit silly. Steph Curry leading the voting around the league around 258,000 mark, or excuse me, 2,584,000 mark. Uh, So no surprise, there's a ton of Golden State Warrior fans voting and 367,000 of those 
um, decided to also give Clay a vote just for the hell of it, putting him in fourth place in the guards for the Western Conference. Similarly, Kyrie Irving's game good enough to earn him 268,000 votes, putting him sixth in the guards for the Eastern Conference, below whom Fred Van Fleet sitting at the 108,000 mark. Uh, Darius Garland about a 9,000 vote lead on him, so I don't know who the 11th place mark is, where he's at. Uh, Freddie's status tentative not secure but there for now do love to see demar leading the guards in the east coast at the 1.5 million mark uh, behind durant and Giannis, two true superstars mm -hmm. in the sport right now so not bad at our excuse me not yeah. bad at all for our boy demar yeah i i don't expect fred to get in as a starter um no. i think the the true like media and players will recognize his value. And I definitely think he, he'll have a chance to sneak in as the 11th, 12th guy there uh, on that roster. And then uh, with, with in regards to clay and Kyrie, I think the NBA should maybe look at imposing a games played limit just on the vote, not having them eligible to be picked by the fans. If they've played mm -hmm. less than like half of the games, right this might be a john scott moment for the nba uh some other trends i just noticed taking a second quick peek in the western conference lebron james paul george anthony davis carmelo anthony and uh russell westbrook also all nominations or starters so five of the 20 Western Conference players come out of LA mm -hmm. and that would be one of the biggest cities in the US so yeah Laker Nation showing the love yeah uh Wiggins and Draymond in uh the Western Conference as well so that's four Golden State Warriors out of 20 as well yeah I believe fans are 50% weighted and then media 25 and players 25 so hopefully we end up with at least like, cause then I think the coaches are pick the rest. I forget where the reserves come from, but hopefully we get a, a legitimate group of starters for this all-star game. And usually it turns out to be that way. Yeah. You want the all-stars of the season. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on to talking hockey here. A uh, couple of, uh, quick notes on on outstanding defensemen and then we'll jump into some of our thoughts from the Oilers Leafs game that happened last night uh first Max have you seen this goal by Kale McCarr I have not okay so you got to go watch that right now while I uh vamp on Owen Power so switching gears uh Owen Power scoring a hat trick in the first world junior uh game for Canada against Chechia gets named to the Olympic roster for Canada heading to uh, Beijing here uh, in just a couple of months, looking to provide some of his size, speed, stick handling ability, and, and just cool that a kid like this who normally would be playing in the NHL but still young enough to be a junior uh, will have the opportunity to represent his country. I believe Mason McTavish and Cole Perfetti are also kids who are in consideration uh, to be joining this Olympic roster. So cool to see if, if they get um, a 
second chance to represent their country on the international stage after uh, the World Juniors getting canceled. So will be interesting to see what ha- when that ends up happening uh, with that group of non-NHL Canadian players. So Kale McCarr pulling oh off, goodness. pulling like absolutely slamming. He hit three emergency breaks making wow. minced meat out of Kirby Doc there in three-on-three overtime versus the Chicago Blackhawks, stopping on a dime, coming in silky mitts uh, to finish it off. And that one's definitely up there, probably a top five goal of the year, still behind McDavid's individual brilliance. And then, of course, the Zegris Milano alley-oop. But nonetheless, that is a defenseman, folks, pulling off a move like that. And, and Kale McCarr just continuing to ascend and moments like that put him in the minds of fans when voting for the NHL all-star game. Uh, yeah. Kale McCarr, Max, your thoughts there. <laughs> Just the word defenseman does not mean what it used to mean in the world of hockey. Uh, the skating, the hands, the offensive awareness to pull that off. If I hadn't seen him back end for so long, I'd believe he's a winger. Uh, just happy to have players like that yeah uh that will one day wrap the red and white one did you hear did you hear batman like making a plea or bid for hockey in the summer olympics yeah i i don't know i we may be able to talk about that a bit more down the road but it's it's tough the players are done when when the stanley cup gets awarded everyone needs to break to to go home that's why you see a lot of these NBA players not participating in the FIBA tournaments, right? There's only so much basketball you can play and so much hockey you can play in, in a stretch run. Yeah, it does make sense from a no-conflict point of view. And players are so desperate to play play it right now, I can almost see them going for it. But yeah, it, yeah. I just think of a guy like Stamkos who has been waiting for his opportunity. If Tampa makes another deep playoff run, like going to an Olympics after all the hockey he's played, that could very well spell the end of his career, just in terms of how much of a toll that would take on him. Knowing that, I think he would still go, which this discussion is evolving to a point where I now kind of hope it doesn't happen. Um, I, that was just a headline that caught my eye and yeah. 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 We'll see. There could be a world cup of some kind or they're going to do their best because there's plenty of money in it for them to figure out. Uh, so we'll see. All right. Last thing here before we wrap it up, the Oilers and the Leafs, uh, the Leafs continue their ownership of the Edmonton farmers franchise. Uh, <laughs> with a four to two victory, uh, one of those being a very late empty netter by Alex Kerfoot, but overall another solid performance put forth by the Leafs. Another win for Jack Campbell, and uh, definitely helped by the fact that McDavid was not in the lineup. But they, uh, the Edmonton Oilers, this this exposed probably more of their faults than necessarily than the Leafs. Uh, strengths where the Oilers give up their fifth goal in seven games before the six minute mark 
and they actually have not won a game yet this season when they're trailing after the first period. So this Edmonton team starts slow and then is unable to, to kind of have the juice to, to get back up. And I, sorry, I believe the stat is uh, when they give up a goal. No, I think it is. They haven't won this season after, uh, after, yeah, uh, we're going to go with that. No one fact check me, uh, <laughs> but they do storm back in this first period, get goals from Perlini and Dreisaitl, uh to take a quickly, but then the Leafs get a bit of a, a backbreaking goal right near the end of the period. Both of their goals kind of own goals by, by Mike Smith, where shots from the point kind of bounce around and find their way into the back of the net, but you take them where you take them. And that second goal was a positive result for Sheldon Keefe, who threw out Matthews, Marner, and Nylander there with 30 seconds left in the period just to get some pop, and, and that one pays off. Overall, the rest of the game, pretty low event for teams that like to say they have two solid offenses and maybe some questionable back ends, but, but nothing too out of the ordinary uh, through two. And then in the third period, guess who? Superman. Uh, Ilya Mikheyev, the Cobra, strikes again his second power play goal in as many games and now has three goals on the season in, in just two games played. And maybe this is the regression to the mean that we've been waiting for for him or a little hot run, but excellent to see him providing that secondary scoring that the Leafs are going to desperately need if they want to make it and then go deep into the playoffs. Uh, so really happy that Mikheyev can contribute like that. And then uh, John Tavares and William Nylander get my uh, other two stars of the game besides Mikheyev with just the way that they were able to win a ton of puck battles and, and they generated offense generating the first goal of the game, but uh, were able to take the puck off a lot of guys sticks and make it difficult for Edmonton to leave their zone. So if you are the Oilers, you're looking at this game, goaltending hasn't been great. The team in front of you hasn't been great. And, and if McDavid and Dreisaitl are not on the ice, I think they're a minus 24 or something like that. And Leon Dreisaitl and McDavid are plus two. So that definitely shows what the difference is there. We talked about Fred Van Vliet's net rating. McDavid and Dreisaitl definitely up in that conversation as well. And hockey counts in ones, not twos and threes. So I don't know what really to say what the solution is. Maybe you look to make a move for a goaltender, but if this was a team that tried to buy a little bit at the deadline last year, or they did not, sorry, they did not buy at the deadline last year and were in a lot better position to go deep in the playoffs, then why would they do anything this year? And, and if you're McDavid, you got to be getting a little frustrated with uh, the groundhog type career you've had or groundhog day type career you've had with the Oilers uh, at this point. Yeah. I mean, I think in hockey, like you think the superstars of the past 15 years and you have like a Sidney Crosby who had his cup moment and had to battle injury. <clears throat> And then the league makes a trade or the team makes a trade, gets Kessel. The goaltending kind of one in a million lines up with uh, Matt Murray just coming out. They've got a solid defensive core. They buy the right veterans. They win. Alexander Ovechkin, much 
more story of more climbing, but they slowly get the right pieces. They had Backstrom for a long time. They have Kuznetsov developed through the system. They make the trade for Oshi. And then Holtby just puts it together. The goaltending, kind of the last piece for them to click. Uh, Carl Strum doing long years in there. The Alsner thing will never not be funny. And then the last guy that came to mind was Nathan McKinnon, a team or a player who had much of that hype behind him, has joined a team that's had the pieces and again, not there. Also, how could I forget the Tampa Bay Lightning with Steven Stamkos, Victor Hedman. So none of, except the Pittsburgh Penguins going fairly quickly, I guess in 09 with Crosby Malkin, none of these teams won right off the bat. It was a matter of getting the big pieces and then maneuvering the small tenders, waiting till you're, goalie kind of just has a eureka moment or you trade for the right one uh the coaching has to be in place long enough to develop a system that all the players buy into so i've been reasoning this out as i talk and i feel like time is kind of on mcdavid's side as history says in the past 15 years but i'm sure you could just as easily pull five prospects off the top of your head with quite high ratings who never got anywhere yeah, I think it's more of a process issue rather than the results. You got to look and see. It last year probably had a decent shot to make it to the Stanley Cup final. I mean, you saw the Canadians did. So why aren't you investing in, in that success? Whereas if you're not going to, then why hasn't this team been bolstered with younger talent to supplement Drysdale and McDavid? Because they couple years ago made some short-term moves to try and win now so they're get they keep getting caught in the middle here and, and that's something that needs to be addressed soon uh even if mcdavid's still young and his career has time on his side you know that almost made me feel really optimistic about the maple leafs this season the goaltending's line it's just the defense if we can if like either Brody and Riley can become step up to like some legit top two defending and Hall and Muzzin have like a renaissance, Lilligren, Sandine get there. This could be it. Maybe this is the year. Said you know? the Leafs fan every year. <laughs> but like maybe, maybe we've done our time and this like Campbell is the Messiah heralding like you've done your penance, you've suffered let me take you to the promised land real quick. Ah, I hope you're right, man. I hope you're right. It's every curse has to end someday, but like when, all what day teams, will that be? All these teams had their top pick, saw the promise, suffered through the process, and then it all came together. It's not unfamiliar what I'm describing. Yeah. And hopefully what you're also describing is our podcast. We've been grinding it out now, a hundred episodes deep. Thank you everyone for listening to a couple, to one, to all of them. Uh, it means it means the world to us. And we're gonna continue to keep pumping out content and maybe we'll we'll be like uh like the Leafs and and have a a, a couple golden years ahead of us now. <laughs> but that's uh that's gonna do it for this one. Cheers to that, buddy. A happy weekend to everybody. And Sports Next Door signing out.